0: Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, once again thanking you for the gift of life, Lord, in the midst of all the turmoil, Lord, with the pandemic and the mutation of the virus, the panic, when we wake up every day to know that you are with us, that you did not sleep nor slumber when we were in bed, you watched over us, you brought us to a new day. and We just want to thank you, Lord, at the end of the day, Lord. He who has the Son has life. We have life, not just because we breathe. We have life because we have you. So this morning, we just want to thank you and praise you once again, Lord. As we come to the ministry of the Word, I pray that you would speak to us, teach us. Teach us, Lord, that we may grow in our most holy faith as the days get darker the word just needs to get stronger in us Lord commit both Peter and Samuel Lord as they leave for their exams I pray that he would bless them take them safely Lord and I pray Lord you would bring into their remembrance everything they have learned that they will have that wisdom the special grace you gave your servants Lord Daniel his friends I pray Lord that would rest upon them too thank you Father In Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. All who weren't able to listen to the prayer part yesterday, I would request you to uh, go to yesterday's recording of Tuesday morning prayer. And uh, the first part of it, of uh, of what we are looking today, is there in detail. I will not get into it. We'll kind of continue from where... uh, we stopped yesterday ramba we are at 23 days in a week's time the year is over and we had started with a promise of god to arise and build okay it's a promise and along with it he had given us the power ramba if you look at if you remember your 31st december night message he had the permission of the king he had the provision of the king and he had the protection of the king and God tells us something to do. He doesn't, you know, go and do it your own uh, resources. No, he, his provision is there. And his protection is also there. Otherwise, we will never be able to fulfill his purpose. If any one of us has to fulfill God's purpose in our life, we need to have a promise. We need to have his permission. We need to have his provision. And we need to have his protection. That's how we know. The question is here, because it's a very big term, arise and build, the question is uh, how will we know what it is means to arise what is that i am building that's why god says his people perish because of lack of knowledge okay or as paul says now we are 2021 20, is 7 days away leaving behind and pressing on so the question is what are the things i leave behind what am i pressing on to because if you do not understand the spiritual that the kingdom of God takes preeminence over everything. We may leave behind and pursue, but leave behind the wrong things and pursue the wrong things because we do not have eternity in mind. That's what the Bible says, Apostle Paul says, the things that we see are temporary. The things that we see, do not see, are eternal. And eternity is just if you, if uh, Apostle Peter said the end of all things are near. I would say that it is so close, so close. And that's why we see this tide of evil overflowing. Because Jesus said, these are labor pains. The child, his second coming is so close. And he says, when these things happen, I mean, every day, even today, like, you know, we get mails, we get news from everywhere. And uh, people who are in the thick of the battle struggle are those who are not in the forefront of the battle don't face the struggle so much as those who are at the back. So you will hear all kinds of yeah, all kinds. Is it vibrating? All kinds of. Um, you hear all kinds of messages from people, but remember, we are in this battle. So now we go to Second Kings, chapter two. And we read from verse 1 onwards, okay, words 1 to 15. It came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to them, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. (laughs) Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. The fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. So it was, when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you, because I am, before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, you shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes, tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. So we are seeing something important here because the the story, the movement, the spiritual movement is moving from Elijah to Elisha. Transitions are important. You're moving from one year to another year. Transitions are important. 2020 was like no other year. 2021, it's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher spiritually, not for the others. For others, you have government subsidy. Don't worry. (coughs) But for those who are in the battle, it's going to get tough. All transistors are, are not the same. Moses to Joshua, there is a transition. It is not the same. But in so many ways, it's a very smooth transition. Eli to Samuel is completely different. The priesthood of Eli is completely destroyed and God raises up a new uh, priesthood. Elijah to Elisha is a very smooth transition. Saul to David is a different transition. Saul and his household has to be completely destroyed and he has to raise up David. So now, if you go back to verse 1 (coughs) onwards, the movement has begun. Okay, the movement has begun. When the movement begins, you will see. Like I said yesterday, please, all of you who did not hear yesterday's message, go back yesterday because I said we will be teaching continuously until the year begins, the new year begins. When we first see Elisha, he's in his father's house, in his father's field uh, with his 12 yoke of oxen. And after that, the next time we see him is here. It's a man who understands the call. Accepts of the call and the second time we see him he's at Gilgal and Gilgal is a very important place in Israel's history okay it's a very important place that is where Israel crossed over from Jordan that is the first point where they crossed over they set up memorial where they were circumcised the reproach was rolled off where they had their Passover and manna ceased and they ate the bread of the land meaning they have transited from milk to meat the reproach, the shame of the world. They are not anymore looking at their past life. They have crossed over. Because that's Gilgal. There are many applications. From Gilgal, the Bible says, they went down to Bethel. We know Abraham was with Bethel. Jacob was with Bethel. Bethel is an important place. There are altars in a person's life. If you look at from Abraham, To Jacob, there are five altars, though Isaac is not there in these five altars and Abraham is not in these five altars or Jacob is not in these five altars. There is Shechem, there is Bethel, there is uh, Hebron, there is Moriah and there is Beersheba. We see Isaac only with Beersheba. So we we don't see Beersheba, the altar of Beersheba in Abraham's life. We will see the altar of Beersheba in Isaac and Jacob's life. We will see that. So these altars are important and uh, bethel is important because bethel is where you are called to initially dwell with god where you get the understanding of it. genesis 35 and words uh, uh uh 26 25 no that is the one which i gave you first yeah 35 1 35, 1 god said to jacob arise go up to bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to god who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. So we will see when he came back from his father in law's land with his family, he made a mistake of dwelling at Shechem, And there was where he lost his daughter and uh, his sons uh, set a city to the edge of the sword. So all that mess happened because he did not come and dwell in Bethel. Bethel is where we get the knowledge of God where we grow in the understanding of who God is and his ways and also what will happen is that that is where and Beersheba of course is that perfect place where Isaac remember he makes an altar and then he pitches his tent and then he uh, he digs a well and that's where Isaac will look and you will see in, uh, you don't have to go there. Genesis 46, 1 also, when he's going back, Israel took his journey with all that he had, came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. That's why it is written there, because Beersheba is the altar of his father. And God tells him, don't be afraid to go to Egypt. Go there, I'll be with you, I'll bring you back. And your son Joseph will close your eyes. So these altars are significant. So Bethel, they are moving from Gilgal, the praise they crossed over to the house of God. And at each place, the Spirit of God gives us a choice. The Spirit of God will never push you. He will only lead you. But to be led, you need to follow. So he will always give you an option. In your spiritual life, you can choose where you want to stop. Nobody is pushing you. Pastors may... (laughs) Shout at you because they are zeal, more zealous than God sometimes. <laughs> but God gives you the autonomy, the free will to choose. So He's a choice. You can stay at Gilgal or you can ch- stay at Bethel and then from there they move forward. This is basically what God is looking for. Will we, are we committed like Elisha? Are we committed like Elisha? That's what one man, Paul will say, I press on, press on. We will say, no, Lord, no, Lord. We say, not, I am not, I did not come this far to leave at this point. I'm gonna all the way. I am with you all the way. Okay. I am not gonna quit anywhere on the road. I started this journey and I'm going to finish this journey. So he will say, you want to stay here? He says, after they are crossed over, um, uh, we are talking about before that we come to Jericho. Okay. Now at Jericho, he says, they came to Jericho. Now Jericho, we know, <coughs> we've been looking at Jericho too. Jericho is where Joshua encounters God has Jehovah Shabbat. Okay. The Lord, the captain of the host. He sees the angel of the Lord with the sword in his hand. So Jericho is the place where we encounter spiritual warfare bethel is we grow in the knowledge of this but jericho is where we actually understand and we are involved in spiritual warfare everybody in the kingdom of god who has entered is in spiritual warfare but most of them do not know they are involved in it they are not actively involved in it they are passively losing the battle without even realizing they are in a battle because they don't understand how the spiritual works But in Jericho, we are now actively involved in spiritual battles and we start tasting our victories. That is what Jericho means. It's a place of spiritual warfare. So, recapping, at Gilgal, the world is put away. At Bedel, we are being taught how to die to the self. At Jericho, we are taught how to Fight our battles and start possessing the life of Christ. These are all three different experiences. And then, because you have to, in this battle, you have to face strongholds in your mind and the giants outside. You have to face these things. Strongholds have to be brought down. Giants have to be fought. A land has to be conquered or a life has to be appropriated. And then, We have to cross over. After that, you will see Elisha, he says, next verse, he crosses over. Sons of prophet, and they come, okay, again. And Elisha said, the Lord has sent Elijah, sent me on to Jordan. On to Jordan. Okay, send me on to Jordan. And what happens over there, if you look at verse 7, okay, verse 7. And the 50 men, they went, okay, and... uh, and uh, at a distance and he crosses so it's only after they cross jordan cross jordan crossing of the jordan basically we know what it is it's a death to complete your own self-will self-will you are you have surrendered your will your will is the main part of your life you have completely surrendered your will into the hands of God. And when they cross over, only Elijah asks him that question in verse 9 he asked. So it was when they had crossed We are all waiting for this uh, this thing God to ask us. What can I do for you? <laughs> okay, But we do not realize, we do not hear, because we haven't come to that point where God can ask us. The Spirit of God can ask us. And he asks him, what may I do for you before I am taken away? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Okay. Meaning, that is the place where we receive our vision. Our vision. Paul will say, I pray that you give the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that our eyes eyes, spiritual eyes, may be opened. Okay. When they cross over, when they cross over is when the question is asked. And Elijah says, it is a hard thing. It's a hard thing. He says, the hard thing, meaning everything else could have been easy, but this is a hard thing because it's not mine to give. That's why it's a hard, it's not a hard thing to receive. It is not mine to give. I cannot give this. This is not mine. This is not in my hands. This is in God's hands. It's a hard thing. But I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue, he says. If you see me being taken, that means you will receive it. If you see me being taken, that means you will receive it. Okay. Through this narrative, you will see when the sons of the prophet ask the same question at each place, he is very irritated, short term, I mean irritated, testy, Elisha's reply. And they can ask, see, all of them have the same understanding that Elijah is being taken. All of the others are just students, but there is only one disciple. None of the others have left everything to follow Elijah. Okay, let us say 200 sons of prophets are there. They have received Elijah's words. Elisha has received Elijah's life. And he's following that. And he says, I'm not going to leave. The others are content. We have our notes. We have a book. Okay, your master is going. Bye-bye. And he's basically on his last circuit saying bye to his students. This is his farewell trip. He's going to every place where he has taught, but only one follows him. Okay, so we need to understand. So they're coming to the last stage of Elisha's walk with Elijah. Okay, and they're talking. It's interesting. If you look at verse 11. hmm? Then it happened. Because Elijah also doesn't know when he's going to be taken, so they cannot be still. So they're just walking. They're just walking. Then it happened as they continued on and talked. Okay. So if you look at what is that we are missing when we do not go on with Christ and decide to settle down at different places in our spiritual life, we con- we we miss out these revelations. That comes from walking with God. Elisha is the only one who is walking with Elijah. And there's a conversation that takes place between these two. These are the final. Think about all those disciples. 72 disciples. The crowds and all. And then look at the narrative. How it changes from John 16, 31. After Judas also has left. And only 11 are left. And from there all the. You don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. To all these things. The most important things of Jesus' ministry, of what he has to pass on to the disciples, is, is revealed to them because they went on with Jesus. And we miss a lot of stuff. So many, sadly, so many Christians are so satisfied with their own Christian life and so dissatisfied with their worldly life. So they pursue that and leave this alone. And Elisha is a different person. He continuing and they are walking and they are walking and they are walking. Okay, now if you go back to verses 9 and 10, okay, 9 and 10, there are three things here. One, there is a request. Okay, second, there is a condition. And third, there is a reason for the condition. What is the request? I I want a double portion of your spirit. Okay, second thing, there is a condition. He says, you will receive it if you will see me when I am taken for, from you. And we will see there is a reason for the condition. Okay, This is basically what we all should be looking for. What is the request he makes? He says, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Don't get it wrong because though it's at its applications, he was talking about double his power and all. It's basically not that. though, because So they will say, This one did 7 miracles, You did 14. Some others will come with 18 and 16 and 9 and 18. All, All kinds of numbers come up over there to prove their point. But it is just not as simple as that. If we turn to Deuteronomy 21, verse 17. Okay, this is a question about basically, you know, like a man has, say, two wives. One wife he loves, the other he doesn't. But the elder son is the wife of the one he, un- he does not love. He says, none of these things are, I- your sentiments don't matter. God is fixing a law in the families. He shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is he. So say, there is a right of the firstborn, so let us say a father has uh three sons, he has to divide his property into four, and the eldest one gets two parts, the other two get one part each okay this is what Esau was upset about okay he was not thinking about the spiritual he was thinking about the so he was very upset that Jacob got two-thirds and he only got one-third. But when Jacob runs away and ultimately he comes back and he doesn't want anything, he's always happy because he didn't get two-thirds, he got the whole thing. If you look, Jacob never goes to where his father is. Jacob never goes to get his inheritance. He's got so much, God has prospered him so much, he gives it away all to his brother, the physical. But what he keeps is the spiritual. And because this man only was interested in the material and not in the spiritual, he is very happy. Very, very happy. So when God is talking about the double portion, it is talking about the spiritual inheritance. So a lot of Christians are very, very happy if God blesses them materially and leaves them in poverty in the spirit. Not poor in the spirit in that sense, but absolutely poor otherwise in spiritual things. They are very happy because they count their blessings like Esau. There are Esau's in the kingdom of God too. Okay? And that's what the Bible is talking about. Okay? So here, Elisha is not asking for anything physical. He is basically asking for his office. For his office. I want to be the prophet after him. The seer after him and he says i understand you want to be a seer but he says if you want to be a seer you have to see so if you see it's not in my hands i can't open your eyes (laughs) i can pray over you i can lay hands over you but the anointing is not mine anointing is anointing comes from above so if you want to be a seer you have to see so i'll tell you a clue if you see me being taken you will be a seer okay so remember, Elijah had so many students who were prophets. Who take his place? Elijah knows it is not mine to decide. It's decided by God. It's God who chooses. That's what Jesus says. You do not choose me. I chose you. It's God who chooses. He's absolutely okay, in his absolute sovereignty. That's why he asks uh, Peter, if he lives till the end, what is that to you? I make my choices, okay? You don't worry about others. You just look to see that you are chosen, fit the conditions. Whether he will be chosen, he will be chosen before you, after me. Will he have a bigger ministry than me or small? That's none of your business. None of your business. That's not in our hands. That is in God's hands, okay? So then the second thing, you have two things over here when Elijah is, being remember we have studied this all in the old days, you can always go back and recap on this, there are two things here, one is the mantle, remember there is a mantle that falls down, that one there is a mantle, second there is the spirit, the mantle represents the external, that is the authority, okay. The spirit represents the internal, which is the power. You cannot have one without the other. If you have it, it is either worthless or it is dangerous. If you have authority without power, it is pointless. If you have power without authority, it is dangerous. So please understand, you will see. And the only condition was that, that he should see. Okay, Verse 10, if you have asked or heard, but if you see me, if you see me when I am taken from you, it's there. If you see me when I am taken away. Now, why is this? This is what, why this condition? No, we said the reason for the condition. We said there is a request and there is a condition. We need to ask, Why is this condition? Because nothing that happens in the Old Testament in prophetic terms are related to the Old Testament. They are related to the New Covenant. That is the shadow, the substance is here. So what is the reason for the condition? Because like I said, it has prophetic implications. He had to see, meaning he had to be a witness. He had to be a witness of Elijah being taken away. He had to be a witness that Elijah was not dead, he was alive. Remember, he's the only witness. All the sons of prophet searched for three days. Though they were far away, though they were actually in the vicinity of where it happened, they did not see. All they saw was, one minute there was two people, and another minute there is only one. What happened, they don't know. Only one saw. Only one saw. Okay? Acts chapter 4, verse 33. With great power, the apostles gave witness. What was the witness they gave of the resurrection? That's the key. They gave the witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Elisha is the only one who can give a witness that Elijah was taken alive. He's not dead. He's not dead. He's taken alive. Okay. The apostles had a witness. And that witness is what shook shook. Jerusalem, it is just not the power, it's not just the miracles, miracles is their part of Israel's history, it's a legacy, but the fact that Jesus is not dead, he's risen from the dead, that shook Jerusalem, that shook Jerusalem, so you need to understand that was the reason, there is a request, there is a condition, and there is a reason for the condition, the resurrection of Jesus, they were witness, and the power was the proof, okay, Meaning, they were continuing where Jesus had stopped. Elisha is saying, I'm just continuing where Elijah stopped. I'm not replacing him. I'm a continuum. It's not one dispensation has started, another has. He says, No. Jesus is the beginning. We are continuing what we start because why? We are witnesses. In their case, they were witnesses of his resurrection. In our case, we are res- witnesses of his resurrection power. And this is where the problem comes. This is where the problem comes. Moses to Joshua was different. The continuation was not the same. It was not the same. This is a complete shift from generation to another generation. A passive generation to an active generation. Like I said, Eli to Samuel was completely different. Saul to David was completely different. And if you look at Elisha to Elijah, Elijah to Elisha, is a smooth transition. In Second Kings, chapter two, verse twelve, right? Elisha saw it. He saw it. That was a condition. If you see it, if you see it, okay, he saw it, and there is a witness that he, what he saw is right. My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. Okay, he saw it. And there is a witness of it. What he is seeing is right. Okay? So he saw him no more. He saw it. Okay? He saw it. And verse 13, Scripture says, He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen down. Okay? If you come to verse 15. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said the spirit of Elijah rests upon him. So he has the mantle and he has the spirit. He has the authority and he has the power. As soon as they saw him, they they saw the spirit of Elijah rests upon him. They are prophetic. So they are able to see the spirit of Elijah is resting upon him. So you have authority and you have power. And that's what Jesus was telling his disciples. I give you authority. Go in my name. But don't leave. Jerusalem until you have received power. And when you receive power, you go and be my witnesses. What are you witnessing? We are witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and there was much power upon them. We are witnesses. So, he became those two things. The outward office represented by the mantle and the inward power represented by the spirit that was upon him. And we look, this was the testimony of the Apostles, now if you look at the Apostles, Apostles are used in two terms. One is the twelve, mm-hmm. and then there are other Apostles, the Barnabas, Silas are all included among the Apostles. Okay. But these twelve Apostles, they have a different nomenclature, they have a different name. They are called the Apostles of the Lamb, mm-hmm. Revelation 21 and verse 14. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. These twelve apostles, they were witnesses of Jesus Christ. They were witnesses. Though there were many, many apostles, okay, there were many. These twelve, we only have a confusion about the twelfth one, but these twelve will judge the twelve tribes of Israel tribes of Israel. You cannot be part of these twelve if you are not a witness of the risen Christ. A witness of the risen Christ. That is why in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 8, last of all he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. So if Paul is the one and the others made a mistake of including with God, Jesus is the one who has to call. These eleven took it upon themselves to call the twelfth one. So, did they go out of order? We do not know. Eternity will prove. Because Jesus is the only one who can call this twelve. In this case, you will see, he says, I am the least of the apostles, but he puts himself in that group. And he was seen. Jesus was seen by Paul. So, we need to understand this transition from Elijah to Elisha has spiritual significance. And the only thing, the condition that was set was that you must see. You must see. This is our major block because you want the firstborn's anointing. Because what is the firstborn's anointing? The firstborn's anointing in the new covenant is the anointing of Jesus Christ. It is for everyone who believes. But you have to be in Christ. You have to be in Christ. It is the anointing. God actually has an anointing for all his children which is the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn and we are all in him. But do we get into him and stay there or not is the question. Okay. So do we live in the light and the power of the resurrection? So you have Christ's mantle and Christ's spirit. Elijah's mantle and Elijah's spirit. This is what in Philippians 3 verse 10 Paul says. Because we have to put these fundamental truths in picture so that people know what it is and then they can Fight for it. They are not fighting others. They are not fighting God. They are fighting themselves and the powers of darkness. Okay. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. That's where he begins. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Okay. He says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. And that's what Elisha sees. All the other prophets, sons, sons of prophets were there. They did not see. Elisha saw. Okay. Now, if you go back to verse 12. Elijah, Elisha has to have both. He has to have the mantle and he has to have the spirit. But look at what he does. Elisha saw it. He cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. See also. He did not put the mantle on first. Before you can put the mantle of Elijah or the mantle of Christ, you have to tear your own mantle off. Otherwise it simply won't work. Until I die to my old life, I cannot put on Christ. Our issue is that we try to put on Christ over the old man. And God says, no, put off and put on put off and put on. And this is a new covenant uh, picture. Elisha has picked the mantle and he doesn't take the mantle and says, you know what, I just want the power and my mantle. And that's how much of the ministry works. Much of the ministry that works is that God's power, my life. And they make ministries in their own names. And it's all about them and very little about Christ. And that's what you see all over the spotlight is on, on them. It is about them and they have power. But if you look at the power, yes, the power seems to be the power of God, but you look at the mantle, the mantle is theirs. The mantle is theirs because they never died to self. They never died to self. And here that is what happens. Before he picks up the mantle, he tears his own clothes. He destroys. He tears his own clothes. And God said, that is the order. Learn from Elisha. That is the order. If you really, really want to Overcome the powers of darkness and never turn your back to the powers of darkness. Die to self and put on Christ because Christ never turns his back. He's never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. And that's where you will see. And that's our block. Our major block is not with power. Our major block is not with the mantle either. Our major block is with renting our own self. We want to put his mantle over our own. No, I, I have authority. It is not that it is his authority and his power. I am just a vessel. No, we have this incredible old hymn called channels only. Blessed master. We don't want to be a channel. What, what fame is there in for being a channel? No? Channel, no. Think about um, our uh, all these uh, Bhagirata programs, no. All the farmers, everybody's green. Telangana, which is awesome project KCR has done for Telangana, is turned Telangana green with all this water, no. And there is these channels going in everywhere, but nobody talks about the channel. They talk about Godavari. Mm-hmm. Where is the water from? Godavari. Nobody talks about the channel. Yet channel is reaching the water. Everybody, nobody talks about the channel. Everybody talks about Godavari water has reached. Godavari water has reached. Nobody says channel water has reached. Nobody says channel water has reached. But the water that is flowing in the channel is actually Godavari. And Godavari should get the credit. In the same way, we should just be a channel. How can I get credit for the work that God does through me? The mantle is His. The power is His. It's not mine. It is not mine. But this is the major, major mob. If you want to sustain, you can have a ministry for a period of time and then lose it. You can have a ministry all your life and go into eternity gracefully. As Peter would say, receive a rich welcome, a rich welcome. That is by putting on Christ. So he will say to faith, add this, add this, add this, add Eight things he mentioned. Keep on adding, keep on adding. And he says, if you do it, you will never have to be ashamed. You will not even stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome. But we struggle there. We want to add all these things, but put our label also there. James is virtuous. James is knowledgeable. James is kind. It's not Jesus This is the problem. We like all these things, but we want to put our label on it. Like, you know, we will give diaries free, but we'll put Grace Tapodical on it. (laughs) So that's where. So now let us look at Elijah, Elisha, the transition, and what happens with Christ and us. John chapter 19, verses 23 and 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier a part and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from top in one piece. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. And okay, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says they divided my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. Therefore, the Lord's soldiers did things. So, how many pieces he had? Five pieces. So what did they took? They made four parts or whatever they did, they tore it or whatever they did it and they divided. But there was this tunic. It was one, it had no seam. It was seamless, meaning it is like this. It is seamless. Okay, like this, seamless, like a ring. It has no seam. It is one piece. It is seamless. And because it is seamless, they said, hey, it's, we don't we don't want to tear this. Let us cast lots on this. Okay? Meaning, if you look at Jesus' life, it is seamless. Where does the divine begin and the human end? Where does the divine and the human begin? We don't see. It is a seamless life. It is a continuum. It is both divine and human. Yet, where does one end and where does the other begin? There is no. God became flesh and dwelt among us. With us, it is not like that. It is full of pieces. We know when we are divine, when when we are carnal. When we are carnal, we know that, and that is the confusion. People will say, "How can you pray and curse at the same time?" James will ask, "How can you do this, this thing? What is your problem?" Okay. Now remember, what is God passing on to us? Elijah is not. Elisha is not going in his mantle. He wants Elijah's mantle. God doesn't want us to go in our mantle. He wants to give us Christ's seamless mantle. That's what he wants us to keep. He says, my son was divine. He became flesh. And he became a wholesome being. There was no seam there. You are flesh. I am making you divine. I want you to be seamless too. I am making you. You too are a child of God. You are a child of God. This is where we where we struggle. So if you look at 1st Peter 2.22 and Hebrews 4.15 you will see who committed no sin. He was human and he committed no sin. He was divine. There was nothing and no deceit was found in his mouth. It was seamless. He was human who was divine. He was divine who was human. How do you know he was divine? Because he committed no sin. It's not about power. Power displays can be anywhere possible. Others also have done it. But how do you know he was divine? Because he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Yet was he human? Yes, he was human. Hebrews 4.15, familiar words. We have a high priest who was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. The seamlessness, okay? So, all of us, when we have an awareness of this truth, this is the mantle of his holiness. This is the mantle of His holiness. God says in Hebrews 7 25, Therefore, He also is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Usually, we go to Him for all nonsensical things, which He answers because He's a nice father. But He says, What we should be going to Him is to have a seamless life. A life without seams, without cracks. Make me a Lord. I have Lord, I look into the Word, I look into the Old Testament pictures, I'll read the New Covenant, and you know what, Lord? I have a right to that seamless life. I have a right to To that righteousness and the holiness that is of God. That's why he died on the cross for me. I have a right to make me your Lord. So we keep on going back. And scripture says he is able to save us to the uttermost. From what? From sin and from deceit. From sin and deceit. Sin is out of our life. Deceit is out of our mouth. And He can make us seamless like his son. So we need to understand. And those who appropriate it. Appropriate it, it's not in one day, it's a process. Their testimony will change. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians 11, 1 and Philippians 4, 9. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Philippians 4, 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. What is he talking about? How do we begin? We begin like this. A young person comes and asks, Hmm? Uh, do you drink we will say it is written Romans 12 1 offer your body as a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God therefore you shouldn't drink a little later when somebody asks do you drink you say I don't you don't why because Christ doesn't you smoke I don't. You don't have to give scripture. The scripture has become you. Scripture has become you. Okay. So that's what Paul is saying. After some time, what happens? Where you earlier reference to scripture, you reference to you. Because that scripture has become your life. Has become your life. That's what he's talking about. So what Paul is talking about, he too is becoming seamless. Okay. They walked with it. Elisha has walked with Elijah walked with Elijah for so many years and he says you know what one thing I want from you what is that I want your spirit I saw your life and I know it is God who did it through you I want that life I want that right to be the firstborn I want that life Okay. so the apostles not only received the imputed righteousness of Christ they learned to live it out Therefore, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, scripture says, But of him you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification and redemption. Okay. You become all that. He became for us, and because he became for us, when his life starts becoming our life, we also become righteous, sanctified and redeemed. Okay, So it moves from theory to practice. That's a seamless life. And that's what he is asking for. Okay, Meaning you are on the road, if you follow the principles of scripture, allow the Holy Spirit to work, to become that perfect man in Christ Jesus. That's Paul will say. I, that's what I want to make to you. Right? Mm-hmm. But it didn't stop there. With the mantle alone, they also had power mantle of holiness alone okay that's the mantle okay of of elijah but also power you need to have the power also okay where does elijah's authority come from from his life authority comes from his life okay that's why we we want authority without that life where did jesus authority come from from his life and he had power too okay it was not authority without power when the Devils looked at Jesus, they didn't just see his power, they saw his authority, they saw his authority. Because the authority comes from a righteous life, authority comes in the spiritual, authority doesn't come from anything else. In the spiritual, the authority comes from your life. The enemy who is absolutely wicked, absolutely wicked and sinful and evil, he recognizes righteous and holy lives, not just imputed. That he sees. That he sees in every child of God. But he sees the practice of righteousness. The pursuit of holiness. And the acquiring of holiness. Where Christ's life is being translated into us. He sees that. He sees authority. But authority alone is not enough. You need power too. Because you can have, have authority without power. And that's what First Corinthians. Chapter 4. 19. I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know. Not the word of those who are puffed up. But the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. They did not only have that life, they also had the power. Because what is the use of Elijah's mantle in ministry without Elijah's power? Or how long will you run with Elijah's power without his mantle, without his life? If you have any doubt, just ask Samson. How long did he run? He had power. Yeah, he had power. But how long did he run? And how did he end? Why did he run? There was anything wrong with that power? Was it duplicate power? Was it diluted power? No. The problem was not with the power. He lost his authority. He lost his authority. In the spiritual realm, he lost his authority. He lost his authority. And that's what happened. And that's what God is talking about. He wants to give us both authority and power. The mantle And the power. The authority comes from our life. Authority comes from our life. Our life in our power. That's why God said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That is our authority. The more we go in that, we move in that authority. And then He says, Wait in Jerusalem, you will receive power. And you receive power. And He says, Keep continually be filled by the Holy Spirit. The power is not enough. You have to be continually. But your filling of the Holy Spirit is directly proportional to your pursuit of righteousness. Pursuit, Because you know what happens is people keep asking me this question. And the simple answer is this. It is like this. If more you empty yourself, the Holy Spirit is able to fill you lot of people are running with the filling they got years earlier. Mm-hmm. earlier, And they said they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Which is not true. They are not filled with the Holy Spirit. They are just got as a measure. They are not filled. Because they never emptied themselves. Or even if they emptied, they did not go back and ask for an infilling. Mm-hmm. So they are running half empty or quarter empty or nine-tenth empty. They got a little. They are running on fumes. And God says that's not the way it is, because if I'm right john three thirty four says he gives spirit without measure, without measure, and that's the fundamental lessons we are learning. Why is this important it's because we are moving into the darkest hour in human history, and we need The greatest outpouring of grace possible because it is written in the Bible. Okay? That is why the entire book of Ephesians is primarily about. If you look at Ephesians, the order is very clear. It is sit, stand, uh, walk, stand. Which means first know your position in Christ. Then practice. Then practice. Then you fight. You fight. You invert this order, the devil will win devil will win. So always be sure you are seated in the finished work of Christ. And second thing, see that you are practicing it out, what he has done for you. Both he wills and he works. Work it out. And then fight the devil. And when you fight the devil, you will see, you will always win. But if you change this order, you will lose. So we want Elijah's power without Elijah's life. Or we want Elijah's mantle without tearing our own mantle. Because we have another 10 days to go. It's a time of reflection. No, Or we want a life of Christ without dying to our own. And this is consistent in the Bible. This is consistent in the Bible. If you look at it, this is consistent. The patterns are always there. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 33 and verse 8. Pastor Vijay has preached on this of Levi, he said, let your Thummim and your Urim be with you, holy one, with, with your holy one. So there are two things, one is Urim, the other is Thummim. Urim means lights, Thummim means perfections, Rama, it means perfections. What is the purpose of light? The purpose of the light is to reveal things which are hidden light is not there, you won't be able to see. So we need light. We need light. Okay. So the light here signifies the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is related to power. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. All these gifts give us light. You know? we, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of prophecy, all the gifts are there, which is connected with lights, which is the power part. But the other one is connected with perfections which is connected with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Light and perfections. So the pattern is there. The life of Elijah and the power of Elijah. The life of Christ and the power of Christ. Lord, I want power. He says, take the life of my son. You can have as much power as you want. You shall do greater things than this. I have no issues. Not I want to do greater things. God says that's exactly what I also want you to do. But how do I get it? He says, take the life of my son. Because I can trust that power only with that life. I cannot trust that power with your life. I love you too much for that. I love you too much for that. Everyone who has appropriated power without life was destroyed, whether it was Samson or Saul, they were all destroyed at the end. It's the power that destroyed them because the life was not there to handle that power. It's like giving a blade to a child to shave when he has no fuzz at all. He just cuts his face. No, he just cuts his face. And no father would do that. No father would do that. And that's what God is talking about here. You need to look at it. So what does perfections mean there it means the holiness of God be perfect as your father is perfect connected with what there with love M- Abraham was made perfect in his faith what is talking a bit about perfect in faith perfect in righteousness perfect in the word any man who is a man who can control his tongue is perfect, so perfections that's it, that's not perfect, perfections because there are many areas we need to we may say I am perfect in this, God says absolutely right. but in all the others you have a long way to go, perfections okay, so that's why it is translated not as perfection, it is translated as perfections because it is, though it is called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it has so many parts and each of the, you may be perfect in peace perfect in peace but shh, absolutely this thing in long suffering. You shh, fall short in long suffering. Okay, so God says, no, I see your peace. I understand that. Now work on this. Work on this. And that's what the God is talking about. So we have to have both. And remember the priest had to have both on his breastplate. And Elisha picked up Elijah's mantle in Second Kings 2.14 mantle the power is the significance of it is the mantle he picked up the mantle he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water okay you got the mantle now you need to know whether you have the power <laughs> okay power okay it's interesting how Elijah Elijah knows Elijah has the idea about it okay so why that's why he crossed over to this side if had stood on that side and done this he would have to wait for an incident to know whether he has power or not so he crossed over this side He cro- separated river Jordan crossed over and their waters closed and then he went off now the disciple is on this side he has to go over to the other side okay. <laughs> and there is no boat there is no boat over so, so he left him over there to see Okay, that's what Jesus said you go Lord you come with me, no you go you go Imagine their first time without Jesus. No, 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 I am talking about when he sent them out. First time without Jesus. Uh, Peter's looking at John. Do you remember how he did it? No, I am trying to think. Okay, let us, okay. And they said, rise. And the man rose. The man rose. Rose. Okay, rose. Remember when he even no, rose. There is no Jesus there. Rise up in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And it rose. But before that he had given them practice, send them out. Do it without me. The spirit is the same. Do it without me. You don't need me all the time. Do it without me. Okay? For a season he did. It's exactly how we taught our children to cycle. We ran after them. We held behind them and did everything. One day we let go. And they wobbled and they got their balance and said, no, I can. And God says, go. Go. All these years you walked with me, Alicia. You saw, right? You saw me bringing fire down a few times too, right? You saw all that? Now it's your turn. Now it is your turn. And therefore, it has to be proved. So when he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Now he knows he has power. He has received the power. Now it's an interesting thing if you go to um, no, uh, 218. When they came back to him, this is when? They are looking. For three days they were looking. Where do they find him? For he had stayed in? He was in Jericho. Once you have received the mantle, authority and power, you are at the place of victory. Jericho is a place of spiritual warfare. What is power given for? To fight. He's is found at the place. The first place you see Elisha, after he has received the mantle, is at the place of spiritual warfare. That is, he knows. That's what power is given for. Power is given for. What is power given for? Power is given to fight the enemy that's what the power is given for okay and then 19 to 22 then the men of the city said to Elisha, please now they recognize power please notice the situation of the city is pleasant as my lord sees but the water is bad and the ground is barren he said bring me a new bowl and put salt in it so they brought it to him okay yeah And he went out to the source of the water, cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Now what is happening over here? The water is bad and the land is barren. That means it is unfruitful. Okay. What did he do? He went to the source. He went to this source. What did he use? He used salt. Mm. Salt is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Cleansing Holy Spirit salt. That's why earth is surrounded by salt. Mm. The earth is surrounded by salt. And the waves, the wind that comes from the sea is completely salty. Mm. It's God's way. After man fell is when the seas came in after man fell, after the judgment, the seas came in. What happens is that. That's why in the new heavens and new earth there is no sea. Because the Spirit of God is completely everywhere. You don't need the sea. You don't need salt. You don't need to cleanse, purify and preserve. It's all automatic. You don't need it. So those symbols are there. So salt is always used in the old covenant. Because it's a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. So the question is... Where does the barren barrenness why is why is there why is the land barren because the problem is with the source. there is water, but the water is bad it's like Hyderabad water absolutely hard water hard water water is very bad it's worse than Hyderabad water because you can grow stuff with this water too, but they say the land is completely barren because the water is bad so You have to go back and see Matthew chapter 15, verse 19 and 20. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But eat with with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So God is saying you, so know what? You can do whatever you want to do. You're not going to change unless you go to the source. You have to go to the source. Do you know why your life is unfruitful? It's because the source is bad. It's because of your heart. Because of your heart. Jeremiah 17, and what you will be wondering why this is connected. I'll show you. 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay. Matthew 3, 11 and 12. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. This is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. These 120 over there, when the fire fell upon, they were cleaned out by the Holy Spirit absolutely cleaned out by the Holy Spirit. And Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six says this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, why is this important? Because you need to understand why is this so important? Because you have to look at the pattern in the Bible. Because you look at Elisha's thing. When he comes, like, let's say, He comes, okay, he comes out of, um, Elisha is gone, Elijah is gone, he rents his garment, picks Elijah's mantle. What is the first thing he does? He rolls it, he hits River Jordan, and there is a power display. What is that? I have power. And what does he do? He crosses over. And what is the second thing he does? He cleanses. It is power and holiness. Both. First thing he does, first miracle he does, technically for others is, to go to the source and clean up. And that's what God is talking about. The mantle of holiness, that is from where authority comes, and the mantle of power. If your power is not used to bring holiness, you are misusing your power. Mm -hmm. Misusing your power. And you will see, that's how Elisha begins his ministry. We have to focus on both, but we have to be very, very sure how we use power, otherwise we will be judged for it. And you will see, this Pattern in the book of Acts with the Jews and with the Gentiles. If you go to Acts chapter 15 verses 7 and 9, when they go back, no? Then there was been much dispute. Peter rose up and said to the men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the Gospel and believe. So God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit. Just as he did to us. Who knows the heart? And look at verse 9. And made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. He says, you know, basically what he's saying. He says, you guys all remember how we began on the day of Pentecost? What happened on that day when the Holy Spirit is filled? We had power, but we knew something happened inside. Our hearts were cleaned, cleaned out. He says the same thing I saw happening with them. So God is not a respecter of us. His pattern is the same thing. Holiness and power. Holiness and power. That's the way it should go. Don't be on a binge for power alone without holiness. That is the mantle of Elijah. And that is the mantle of Christ. And that is our position in Christ. God wants to give both to us. Both purity and power. And both we receive by faith. And we have to trust him. That he will keep it. That is 2 Timothy 1. Everything is by faith. For this reason I also suffered these things. Nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. If You have to commit all this into his hands. Lord I commit my body, my soul, my spirit into thy hands. I commit it O oh Lord. And I am absolutely sure that. He will keep it on that day. On that day, until not somewhere on the middle, he will leave me and go, I'm too tired of this fellow. It's no point working on him. He says, no. If you commit, he's as committed. The problem is with, not Christ's commitment. The problem is with our commitment. Christ is committed to us absolutely he wants to give us that mantle. He wants both purity and power. He is absolutely committed because God is not a respecter of persons. If you look at First Thessalonians 5, 23-24, same thing. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And 24 is beautiful. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it you also will do it and that's that's the whole thing you No, know, in the in the business of our ministry which is connected with power with preaching or whatever do praying for people all that we should not forget this one that we are not looking that's what happened to all the other sons of the prophet they got a gift and they were satisfied they were not willing to follow all the way And they recognized the power of Elisha and they bowed. But they did not want the mantle. They did not want that life. Because they knew that life. Because they knew. They all knew the stories about how Elijah was chased and Jezebel wanted to kill. And all that stories they knew. Whenever they look at that life, all they see is, that oh, that is too much price to pay. Too much price to pay. Too much price to pay. You know? That's what Hebrews 5 7.25, 725. This is God's part. Our part is that. Therefore, He's able to save to the uttermost. He's able to save to the uttermost. Who? Those who come to Him. That's my part. He's able to save to the uttermost. He's committed to that. Christ is committed to His ministry. He will save to the uttermost. But my side is a difficult one. I have to keep going to Him. <coughs> I have to keep going to God through Christ Jesus, and he will save to me the uttermost. So, in the midst of all this 2020 panic, pandemic, our question should be what Elisha asked in verse 14, 2, 14. He took the mantle of Elijah, had fallen from him, struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Okay. Remember, this is what Gideon also asked. If I am this blessed one, mighty, then why is all these things happening? You know, a lot of people ask, why is all these things happening? God says, you need to understand. You're looking for power without purity. Or you're perceiving purity without power. I didn't say either. I said both. I said both. I said both. Because then he says, it is yours. Both are yours. This is your inheritance. Romans eight seventy that's a funny thing. This is your inheritance, God says, If children then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, then we also may be glorified together. What is the suffering? It's the dying of the self. That's the only suffering. What is this? How is the suffering of Christians different from non-Christians? There's a suffering that is common to non-Christians and Christians. That is the suffering in the body. The suffering that is unique to Christians is the crucifixion of the flesh. That is what we move away from. It is not the injection. That is gentle also will say ouch. And we will also say ouch. Cut, wound, surgery, everything, the pain is the same. It is not the Christians have more pain and the Gentiles have less. Everybody's pain is the same. When a death takes place and this thing, how we react to it may be different. But pain at the level is the same. But that is not what God, God is talking about. What is our suffering? Our basic suffering is dying to self. They are free to live their self-life. We are not free to live our self-life. And God says, you know what? This is your inheritance. This is your God-given inheritance. But this is the thing. You are like Alicia. doesn't matter how comfortable you are, how long you have walked on it. You want to move to the next level? You have to rent your garments. You cannot walk in it. The mantle of Christ cannot come on a mantle of flesh. The mantle of flesh has to be ripped apart. His in case, symbolically, it's one time, ours is through our life. The seamless garment of Christ will not fit on our flesh. It is seamless. His holiness, his heart will not fit with ours. And the power of his Holy Spirit, Galatians 3.14. The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You know what? This was the witness. And as soon as Elisha came out, they all said, You know what? The spirit of Elisha, Elijah, rests upon him. And God says, You go out if you witness the resurrection power of Christ, that Christ is alive and not dead. You live like people, knowing that your God is not dead, He is alive. Mm-hmm. They will believe. And it has to be both in purity and both in power. You see, that's the difference. That's the difference. In religion also, people pursue purity. But it is not for Christ. And not in Christ. They have an ulterior motive behind it. What is the motive? When that day comes, it should weigh in my balance. For us, that is, we have already been weighed in the balance. And been proclaimed not guilty. Now, why do we do it? Because that is the mantle we have. That is the life we have. We don't know any other life. The old life we are dying. We are living a new life out. New life out. And that is the only life we should know. A life of righteousness and a life of holiness. And anything contrary should be a problem for us. So we walk in constant repentance. Constant repentance. Saying that Lord no no this is not my life. Don't even be comfortable with it. This is not my life. My life is the other one. Because I have been given a new heart. And a new spirit. That is my life. And that is the transition that takes place because what happens is whenever people hear about the double portion, everybody gets excited because of the double. Double. No? But the double. So they think in terms of power. They don't understand the double portion is the portion for the firstborn. And the firstborn is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. And he is our portion. And he wants to give us his portion. And he has no bone of jealousy in him at all. He says, greater works than this you can do. With power he has no this thing. Purity we cannot get more pure than him. But power he has no issues. Go ahead and do it. I have no issues at all. But he says, safety is this. So please understand what it means. Elisha receiving Elijah's mantle. He is receiving Elijah's life. And Elijah's power, authority it comes from that life and the power that comes along with it. All the sons of prophet were there. They did not have this. Therefore, they were reluctant to pursue this. Why? Because they never followed him. They were students in a classroom. Whenever he came, he gave them a prophetic message. They took notes, everything, and he did some practice, how to do healing, how to do deliverance. He taught them because you have to meet the needs of the people. Okay, he taught them. But nobody followed him. Mm -hmm. And therefore, on the last moment, this way the ones at Jericho were the ones probably a little more into spiritual warfare. Gilgan Bedel hadn't got into spiritual warfare. But even they stood at a distance. They were distance. Why? They were very probably very afraid. If they go a little closer, he may ask them, Come cross over. (sighs) They didn't want to get too close. And people keep a very good safe distance from God honestly people keep a very good distance from God I am satisfied with this and God also says I am satisfied with you You can stay there and I will stay here but people need to understand because of what is coming without this anointing we are not going to make it people don't realize, realize the double portion is not an option it is not an option there is no plan B this is not an option. God says, this is compulsory. I want you to have it so that you come across as overcomers. So this morning, we'll just pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. As we prepare to enter into another year, Lord, in the midst of all that is happening, the only thing that will take us through it all to the end is the mantle of Christ, his seamless garment, and his power. His authority and His power. The authority that comes from that life. And everyone recognized who He was, Lord. All the demons used to shout, We know who You are. You are the Son of God. You are the Christ, the Anointed One of God. They saw His authority because of they saw His life. They were not looking at His outside persona because He looked like any other Hebrew. They were looking at His life. And from His life, they knew he was the son of God. And I pray, Father, when the demonic looks at us, I pray they will also recognize us as sons and daughters of God. Even the Roman centurion, recognized by the words of Jesus on the cross, hanging there, marred beyond recognition, bleeding, but he said, verily, verily, this was a son of God. I pray, Father, Unless we are recognized as sons and daughters of God, you have proclaimed. Now we need to be recognized by our life. We have to die to that old life and live in that new. But that alone is not enough, Lord. We need power. We need power, Lord. Power. Both to live and to work, we need the power. More power, Lord. As the days get more and more dark. We cannot be satisfied with this power. We pray even now, Lord, fill us even more with Your Holy Spirit, Lord. Even more, Lord. We need more, Lord, of your Spirit to overcome. Overcome. The daily testings, the daily temptations, the daily trials. We need more power, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, continuously fill us, Lord. That we are transformed inwardly from glory to glory. And that glory is the life of Christ, not our life. In our life there is no glory. There is only shame and reproach. But in your life, there is glory. We are just, just earth and vessels. But the treasure is you. And help us to focus on these things, Lord as we prepare to enter into another year. Be with your people everywhere, Lord. Help us to understand, because if we do not understand, how will we pursue what we do not know? Therefore, we need to know what God has done in his Son. As Paul prayed, Lord, I pray God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that he would open our eyes of our understanding, that we may know the exceedingly great inheritance of of his saints. What our inheritance is, O oh Lord. The purity and the power of God himself is available to his children. That is our inheritance. And help us to see the pictures in the Bible, Lord. That's why he looked and said one of the greatest in the kingdom, in the old covenant of man of women was John. But once in the kingdom of God are greater than the greatest. Because what even Elisha couldn't do, it is possible for us. Elisha could only get Elijah's mantle. We are offered Christ's mantle. And Elijah's mantle was not seamless. Christ's mantle is seamless. That's what you are offering us Lord. Help us not to forget these things Lord. Thank you, thank you Father. Thank you, Lord, Forgetting, forgetting those things that are behind. Help us to pursue those things for which you took hold of us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. Be with us as we go into a day and the night in other parts of the world. May your spirit be all of us, with all of us, be our portion, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. amen.